God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Boy, do we have a lot of um, incoming news, you know, going on with regard to Afghanistan. Uh, we have a lot of audio clips that we're going to get to today. Um, it's a crying shame that we have uh, uh, basically lost the 20-year investment, trillions of dollars, Blood, sweat, tears uh, have all been washed away within a 24-hour period due to the incapacity of uh, the current occupier of the White House, Joe Biden. And Jen Psaki is out to lunch. She's going to be on vacation for a week and has an auto reply. It's as if nothing is happening. And what is not being reported and what should be reported is this has really little to do with the Taliban and Afghanistan, not nearly as much. I mean, uh, the current conflict, the current takeover has so much more to do with Russia and China. It has so much more to do with the exposure of our Anti-American leadership. I believe this is really the earmarkings of Obama. And I think Obama's puppet, Biden. And he is an insured politician. By insured, I mean he is compromised. Joe Biden is a compromised leader. With all kinds of extortion plots, whether it's the Russian hooker that was shaking down Hunter Biden and stealing his laptop with all kinds of secrets uh, that gets people banned if you even so much as post anything about it. Not one media story was talking about Hunter Biden and the Russian plot to extort the Biden family. How about the Chinese? How about the China deals with Hunter? 
the what the uh, money laundering and the five hundred thousand dollar payoffs to Hunter Biden's art, the payoffs, the pay to play schemes, and I believe that this is Joe Biden cashing in on this because. The ineptness and the incompetence is so gross, so ridiculous, that it cannot be a mistake. There are far too many quality people in the government. There are far too many smart people that are in the war strategy rooms in the Pentagon and elsewhere to where they would not be played by a bunch of little warlords called the Taliban and even Joe Biden said a month ago, just one month ago, so when they try to go about blaming Trump because Trump wanted to exit Afghanistan too, when they start to blame Trump, you tell them, those libtards out there, you tell them that it was Biden that promised that Afghanistan's government had 300,000 well-trained and well-equipped troops, perhaps the best in the, in the world. 300,000 well-armed, well-equipped, well-trained troops to go against what? To go against a very disorganized Taliban regime who basically controls the poppy seed fields and the heroin traffic that's now going to go through our open border, by the way, just like Chinese fentanyl. And the Russians are going to be the direct benefactor of this. Guess whose embassies are still intact? Guess who's not scrambling to flee the country? After 20 years of investment of trillions of dollars, blood, sweat, and tears, guess who has to, get, guess who has to leave? We do. Guess who loses their embassy? We do. Guess who gets to stay without even paying so much as a a dime? That's an exaggeration, but it's Russia and China's embassies get to stay. How is it that Russia and China's embassies get to stay? And why is it then that our embassy has to leave? Why? How big of a fool is Joe Biden and his administration? There was always a uh, a, a deal on the play, playing field to leave Afghanistan. That was for sure. But it was condition-based. Condition-based. What does condition-based mean? You, you know what it means. When you say it's condition-based, what is that? That means that based on the conditions, we will then make the choice to leave. We want to leave, and it's up to you. And it's like this. You hire a spy to go off and spy on your adversary. And the adversary finds out that the spy is a spy and decides, what are they paying you? They're paying you $100,000? We'll pay you a million dollars. It could very well be the game that's being played out in Arizona. We don't even know. We'll find out this week. And a lot of people are suggesting it's a wag-the-dog situation. 
Because Maricopa County is coming out with their election report, their election fraud report. Why not have a wag the dog moment? Why not have this, uh, allow this to happen in Afghanistan and have it dominate the news cycle? Why not? But I think that that would backfire on them just as well because if the Arizona audit comes out <clears throat> suggesting that there was untold amounts of fraud and then more and more audits come across the board in Fulton County and in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and wherever else, the next thing you know, Joe Biden, it would make it easier for someone like uh, for America to endorse Joe Biden's impeachment. Joe Biden needs to go. But what's the fallback plan? If Joe Biden goes, what's the what's the fallback plan? Kamala Harris? Is that any worse or any better? She's still she's the biggest puppet of the Obama administration. Susan Rice, we know, is a is 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 one of the players that's involved with the Biden administration. And she's the one pulling the strings on the open border and a whole host of other things on behalf of Barack Obama. They said where the super spreader was in Martha's Vineyard, that that was where the government leadership was. The The whole government was being run by people that were going to that party in Martha's Vineyard. The whole government. And you better believe that Barack Obama, Hussein, hates America. Always has, always will. Thinks they're a bunch of colonialist thugs that invade developing nations like the one he grew up in or the one he aspired to grow up in, the one his daddy grew up in, or Indonesia where he went to school and got trained, learned the Quran. I mean, it was Obama. that No one knows what the heck was going on with Obama. Where of all where of all his school buddies? What teams did he play for? You know, where are the pictures? Obama was a mystery to us, and everything remains sealed. Nothing is transparent. Biden is hiding. Is it a wag the dog? In light of the fact that the Maricopa results are going to come out? Is it wag the dog to change the news cycle away? I think that would backfire on them. Was this a play for China and Russia, the two embassies that get to stay in Afghanistan right now, while we have to run for our lives? What kind of exit strategy is this where we have to blow up, we have to hammer and burn all kinds of documents, shred documents, burn documents, all kinds of tradecraft, all kinds of sweat equity, all kinds of investment in all the work that's been done in the embassy in Afghanistan. All of it. Gone. We have to set, burn up the computers, confiscate everything, wipe everything clean with all kinds of different destroy mechanisms. We have to clear everything. Do we even make a backup? And are these people going to get out with their lives? Planes are coming in from the Air Force right now, C-130s and what what have you. And these planes are being jumped on by not only Americans, but 
Afghani government officials trying to escape with their lives because the Taliban is going to kill them. They've already killed as many as five people at the, the Taliban at the Karzai airport. Karzai is the biggest corrupt guy in the planet. Hamid Karzai has been taking payback payoffs his whole career. I remember seeing him speak at in Philadelphia in front of Independence Hall. I thought, what an outrage that Bush put him up there, allowed him to speak on our soil. He was the biggest corrupt son of a gun you could ever imagine. He oozed corruption. That's all the guy was about, was corruption. Walking around in stupid robes. And for what? To get paid off to comply. Well, guess what? Somebody beat us to the punch. Biden got played. And China and Russia paid off the Afghan government to what? To walk away. They walked away from the Taliban, rolled out the red carpet. And Ghani, the new leader of Afghanistan, the leader right now, the leader that was two, two days ago, basically left town and wrote a letter and said, Taliban's in charge now. Good luck with the new administration. They basically said that. After 20 years, this will be the 20th anniversary to 9-11 right now. 20th, 20th anniversary. September 11th marks the 20th anniversary to 9-11. Just one month ago, Joe Biden said that the, Tali- the Afghan government is fortified with 300,000 well-trained, well-equipped, well-armed troops. No way can the Taliban repeat a Saigon moment where we're going to be lift, airlifting people off the top of our embassy. Well, guess what? It happened. One month later, Biden was proven wrong. Everybody knew that Biden didn't know crap about the foreign policy. He didn't know anything about foreign policy. And what is happening now is China... Their move wasn't, wasn't, it was the same. Russia took over Crimea. And by the way, tonight, today, this morning, if you are in Ukraine and you are in Taiwan, you better believe that you're going to be next. That China's going to go and take over Taiwan just as soon as Russia decides they want Ukraine. Just like they took Crimea. And they got the numbers and the, and the support because they got the propaganda. We were outplayed. Our intelligence community was outplayed. Our State Department was outplayed. We didn't pay the right people. We didn't have the right propaganda to change the hearts and minds. And basically, the Afghan government betrayed us and sold us out. The Afghan government sold us out after all that we've done for them. At the last minute, China and Russia saw a weak president. They saw a weak president in Joe Biden. They saw a weakling. And they said, we're going to make our move on Afghanistan because we know that if it was Trump, the only thing that would happen is Trump would then push back and annihilate the Taliban, which you could... Just the same way that Trump took over and annihilated ISIS. Remember when Obama used to call ISIS ISIL? 
in Levant, not in Shem. Remember that? Obama was always about anti-Israel. Guess who the benefactors are of this whole thing? China. China's now going to have a strategic leverage uh, that they never had before in the region. It's going to be the western flank of the Pakistanis and the uh, India. So they already have the eastern flank to India. Now they got India surrounded. And the Taliban are going to, they're in love with China. China was the first country to endorse the new Taliban government. And you got Jen Psaki saying, we need to cooperate with the Taliban government. I mean, the, one of the last things that Jen Psaki said. How's this making our woke military look? Is critical race theory still the top thing on the docket? Are we still going to be having our Black Lives Matter flag, or are they going to take that down? Is, is, is Black Lives Matter and the left going to be offended when the Taliban takes down the rainbow flag and the Taliban flag? I mean, when the Taliban takes down the rainbow flag and the Black Lives Matter flag off the top of our embassy in Kabul? How's that going to work out? Who's going to complain? Just like Fauci and Collins won't complain about us shipping all kinds of COVID patients all over our country through our open border. It's insanely ridiculous. They say they they try to blame Louisiana, Texas, and Florida for their policies that are going to be uh, hurting our situation. Meanwhile, you got New York City just today. New York City is engaged in a vaccine passport mandate where you need these uh, stupid little things like CDC-issued vaccine cards, New York State Excelsior card, or a New York State City COVID safe app. These three things. You need to walk into a restaurant. Otherwise, you're going to have to wear a mask. Then when you sit down, I guess you take the mask off. How stupid is that rule? On a cloth mask that's acceptable. We, which has been deemed to be ineffective. The only effective mask that there is is an N95 mask. You strap around the little cloth masks that you have, and next thing you know, those things don't work. So what's the even point? What's the point except for government control? This is a globalist movement, and already Boris Johnson has endorsed the Taliban government practically. We're going to have to work with the Taliban government. We have clips on all this that we're going to be playing today. Meanwhile, in Memphis, there is a big, huge bust of China counterfeit uh, counterfeit vaccine passports. Guess what? Count me in, because I'm not complying with this rogue regime that runs the American government right now that goes against its people and no longer represents the taxpayers. It's taxation without representation. It's practically how the Tea Party Party started back in Boston, the Boston Tea Party. Taxed enough already. But this China thing, this China influence, you better believe that if you're Taiwan and you're Ukraine, you're going to really really have to be have to be concerned that you got United States 
How about the people that are left behind in Afghanistan? Begging, please don't allow Kabul to take over this capital. Please don't allow Taliban to take over Kabul. Please don't allow Taliban to take over this capital or that capital or all the way across the country. Please don't let that happen. Please don't. And we could have stopped it. As Joe Biden said a month ago, 300,000 troops, well-trained, well-armed, well-equipped, the best in the world practically. They walked away. Not one bloodshed was, uh, not, not not any blood drops were shed. And the reason why is because it was a sellout. And Ghani, the leader of Afghanistan, sold out America. Why? Because they have zero respect for Joe Biden. And why? Because China and Russia don't respect Joe Biden. They're playing Joe Biden for a fool. Or should I say it's not even Joe Biden? It's the Obama regime with his puppets in play, like Susan Rice, one of the dumbest foreign policy minds that has ever taken power in the United States government. Chris Christopher uh, was one of the worst under Carter. But Susan Rice was one of the worst. She is not the sharpest tool in the shed. And Jake Sullivan is as liberal as you could possibly get. Mike Carpenter, the guy that was actually sitting next to Biden when Biden was bragging about how he got Victor Shokin fired and how he said he was going to hold off on the billion dollars to Ukraine, basically strong-arming Ukraine, a, a very needy country, and said, we're going to withhold the billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor that's investigating Burisma, where Mitt Romney's special advisor, election advisor, uh, Kofor Black, and Hunter Biden were on the board as strong strong men, as strong men that prevented Burisma from being, uh, or trying to make Burisma untouchable trying to protect Burisma against any investigation, and they did because Joe Biden sold out America and used a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars as leverage. And so what we're up against is a very corrupt leader in Joe Biden who's been exploited and taken advantage of. And what you have is you have these people that are running the show, like Jake Sullivan, And people like Alexander Vindman, not him, but people like him, or George Kent, or Fiona Hill, or people who are associates of the Brookings Institution and the Atlantic Council. And I've been saying it forever and ever and ever. These are the people that are running our foreign policy. They're the ones that are having uh, breaking bread and having scotches with the, the, the ranking officials over at the State Department over at the National Security Council, and over at the CIA. And like I always said, CIA works directly with the State Department, just like the FBI works directly with the DOJ, just like the NSA works directly with the Pentagon, just like the DNI oversees all of that. Okay, it's very simple logic. But the CIA either dropped the ball or was outplayed or sold out 
And I believe they sold out. Was it Wag the Dog? We don't know. But I can assure you this, when the Maricopa County story comes out this week, or next week, it's going to be small potatoes compared to the kind of diplomatic foreign policy blunder that we just saw play out before our eyes. All of these people, all of these people, have been played because they're weak, they're ideologues, they're stupid. And the people that voted for Joe Biden and the people that decided not to vote for Donald Trump have blood on their hands today because they are the fools that didn't support good foreign policy. I spoke about it on Friday. The foreign policy where we got the Abraham Accords, we brought Iran to their knees financially. We emboldened and and, and, and empowered Saudi Arabia. Not that Saudi Arabia was our friend, for those who are going to naysay, but because Saudi Arabia was going to balance the power, it stabilized Yemen. There wasn't the same kind of Houthi conflict in Yemen as there was during the Obama years where we had to actually leave our embassy there and our Marines had to leave their 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 uh, military vehicles behind and get on a plane and get out of Dodge. That was in Yemen. That happened near the end of Obama's uh, term. How about the JCPOA $150 billion gift that we gave to Iran? And days before that gift was about to be signed, guess what happened? Our Navy sailors got hijacked and kidnapped. We had to beg Iran for mercy. Then we gave them $150 billion. Are you kidding me? This is the Obama White House on steroids. This is basically, I said this, I said, you know, one of the things that's happening when we see a record number 1.2 million people coming through our southern border just in the last six months, what it's all about is catch-up. They're playing a game of catch-up where Obama's regime was going to control Hillary Clinton as a puppet leadership and Obama was going to work behind the scenes as he had dreamed about. And as he said in an interview, Obama said, I would much rather work behind the scenes and not be at the, in the spotlight because he wants to be the mastermind to destroy and fundamentally change America. He said it himself. We are just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. He said that. And why did he say it? Did he say because he loves America so much? No. He said it because he hates America. If you were about to marry somebody five days before your wedding and you stand up and you go ding, 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 ding with your little glass of champagne and you say, I would like to make a toast. I'm so excited. I'm five days away from fundamentally transforming my fiance who will be my wife into something she's never been before. And people would be like, what are you talking about, dude? You don't sound like you love her. And who knows? Maybe he doesn't. Because you don't want to change something that you love. You want to make it better. If you like freedom, you want more freedom. You like independence, you want more independence. You want more happiness, you create more jobs. 
You want a more balanced society, you create a stronger middle class. You don't go and try to upset the apple cart and throw, flip the country upside down, divide it inside out. Stoking the flames of all kinds of things, blaming us for things that we haven't even done. And exaggerating and apologizing like he did in Cairo. I'm talking about Obama. I am talking about the worst of the worst. But this is a culmination of things. And anybody who thinks that this is about the Taliban takeover, this is about the four commodities on the black market. What are the four commod- what are the four trading commodities on the black market when it comes to governments? <clears throat> is it human trafficking? Yeah. So we got that in spades. We got that on our southern border, don't we? Human trafficking, right? So we want slave labor to wash our dishes, to pull our grapes off the vines in the vineyards in California, to work the sweatshops in the agricultural fields and in the slaughterhouses and do the most unseemly jobs you could ever imagine. Under poor conditions, paid under the table, with a wink and a nod and a that a boy. And meanwhile... The same party that's supporting that by opening the borders and allowing that slave labor market to flood our our country, they're also they're also saying that they want fifteen dollar minimum wage, but they're endorsing slave labor below minimum wage. The same fools that are leading this country that are saying they want lockdowns, masks, and vaccine passports are turning a blind eye to the 1.2 million people that are coming through our southern border and allowing them to spread this virus, a new Delta virus, probably brought about by the new, new mutation of the vaccinated that's mutating the virus differently and creating a Delta variant. Because every time a virus hits your body and it blows out through your lungs, it mutates. That's been the case since the beginning of time with the flu. It's never quite the same strain twice. It's always a modified variation of things. And when it mutates, given that you've gotten this RNA shot and um, a vaccine that's really not a vaccine because it doesn't even have the virus in it. So you can't even do vaccine shedding. See, a vaccine, you could shed a vaccine. A person that is not exposed to a person with the the, the mumps, as the, the report said. Um, a person that's not exposed to the mumps can get the mumps from a person that was vaccinated for the mumps because of the vaccine shedding. And 12 of the 13 nations that are the highest vaccination rates are the ones on no travel bans, or that are on travel bans. Tell me there's not a correlation between the vaccinated and spreading the new Delta variant and getting sick. Their viral loads aren't much different than the unvaccinated. They're able to get the virus, and they're able to spread the virus because the viral load is high, just as high. 
because it's all about the viral load as to whether you're asymptomatic or symptomatic. So if your viral load is high, you're symptomatic. If your viral load is low, it's you're asymptomatic. It used to be told that if you were vaccinated, your viral load will be lower than the unvaccinated. That's not proven not to be the case. So what's the benefit? None. What's the de- detriment? A new strain, bioengineered by a man-made uh, vaccine, which makes it very difficult and challenging because the results now are uncharted territory, unexpected. The vaccinations are causing more harm than good. Just ask Sweden, who has probably better numbers than any country in the world right now, because they allowed for herd immunity. They didn't lock down. And it's not just herd immunity. It's also mitigation. It's also therapeutics. It's therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And if you take these therapeutics along with not taking the vaccine, you can actually get herd immunity because you get the virus, you get the antibody, and you won't die from the virus because you got the therapeutic. So when you get COVID, you get sick, but you've taken, you've already pre-taken hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or something like that. And your ability to sustain the virus and not die from it is greater because you've already been taking the ivermectin, which costs about a dollar a pill, cheaper than the vaccine. But because it was out of patent, Fauci didn't have any any um, carrots and sticks to negotiate with his money partners. Bill Gates wasn't going to get rich on his vaccines, and the pharmaceutical execs weren't going to get rich, so why would they even support NIH's moves? In fact, it's always about the money, and whether they like Fauci or not, it's all about the Benjamin. So basically, if Fauci doesn't comply with their need to hoard $50 billion in cash in 2021, like Pfizer's reporting $33.6 billion in revenue for a vaccine that has a 42% efficacy rating. But they say no to the Eli Lilly uh, ivermectin, only to find out that Eli Lilly now patented a new drug that costs $1,200 a pill, it's the same identical pill as the ivermectin, only with maybe a little twist. They may have put a little lemon drop in it. But it's the same doggone thing. But now they're going to make out like bandits. Oh, no, not only vaccines are coming out with therapeutics that are working. Well, they were always working. When they finally green light a therapeutic and they look at the therapeutic chemistry, and they compare it with the chemistry of something we've had all along, guess what? There's going to be hell to pay. we got a government that's working against us, opening our damn borders, allowing these COVID patients to come in and spread. And you could also find out where the election fraud is going to be next. It's going to be in St. Louis because you've heard of the Missouri surge, right? The Missouri surge where Missouri has a spike. Wherever there's a spike, you could rest assured that's where they're shipping these people, using our U.S. military to fly people all over the place to battleground districts near you. They, what they're trying to do with the open borders, flip Texas, 
flip Arizona, flip Louisiana. Louisiana is a liberal governor. That's a statewide election that Louisiana did. They voted for that. So there's one. Number two, Missouri. Missouri used to have Claire McCaskill. Claire McCaskill was a radical lefty. She was a statewide, she won a statewide seat as U.S. Senator. So don't think for one second that Missouri and Louisiana aren't on the short list of places to go to overthrow the electorate. So what I've been saying is where the Democrats see that they can't do election fraud forever, that somehow at some point election integrity will be restored. At some point, election integrity will be restored. But at, at what, uh, how much, what, what's the time window? It's a finite limit of time. How much time do they have? Well, they need, if they need more time, they can extend it. And they're, they're going to basically evaluate the numbers coming through the border where they expect that they could turn those into IDs, voter registrations, ballots, and then get them to rig those ballots to actually get them to vote Democrat. They got to get these people IDs. They got to get them amnesty. They got to get them a registered registration to vote. They got to cultivate them and turn them into, harvest them into Democrat voters. So what they're doing is they're importing voters. They're putting just enough in Missouri to win statewide elections there. They're going to rig St. Louis, just like they rigged Atlanta, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Detroit, and Maricopa uh, and Phoenix. Interesting, like, how most of those cities are rich with minorities. And interesting how a lot of the corruption has been done by minorities. Most of the fundraising for the left and the divisiveness of our country has been to exploit minorities. Just look at Black Lives Matter. They were exploited to the hilt. And the people at the leadership role of Black Lives Matter are buying $4 million homes. They're all getting rich. While black people that somehow have been snowed and duped are paid off some cash to go and basically break windows and set buildings on fire in inner city streets, tearing up their own communities that hurts them, doesn't help them. While the two people at the top get rich and they divide America and they divide black America. That's what Black Lives Matter was all about in the wake of Michael Brown, dividing the black conservatives from the black liberals. That's what it was. And that's what it did. Because they knew that their radical left agenda would never be supported by a black conservative. So they just threw out the black conservative knowing full well that the black community as a whole breaks down 70-30. 70% Democrat, 30% Republican. So what? why even bother with the other? Why not just divide and then they take that divisiveness and divide our nation? And rig our, rig our systems. And they were fundraising. Because when you go to BlackLivesMatter.com, you hit the donate button, it goes to Act Blue. And Act Blue donates 100% of their funds to the Democrat Party, just like Democrat candidates, just like Win Red on the Republican side, run by Ronald McDaniel, sends their money out to rhinos. That's how we get Liz Cheney and 
Adam Kinzinger and and all kinds of rhinos. So it's 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 where they're going radical, we're going rhino with all of our monies. That's why I don't recommend anybody who listens to this program, I don't recommend that they support WinRed. I recommend that they support groups like the one we're doing, which is supporting the message you're hearing right now is actually the message that we're carrying out and we're going to be starting speaking tours and tavern um, discussions with writers and thinkers, not only in D.C., but throughout our country. We're going to have these monthly um, coordination with inter- uh, with uh, small GOPs, like the Philadelphia GOP, for one, it we're working with and we want to work with. They have happy hours on a monthly basis, like the first Wednesday of every month or something like that. And we want to be part of the discussion where you could stand up on a stool with a pint of beer in your hand and speak truth to power and be heard and cultivate that kind of atmosphere. Not the one where everybody's wearing a khaki suit with a, a, breast, a, a blazer with gold buttons and a plaid shirt, you know, with a penny loafer, basically sitting in a conference room at some sterile hotel. You know, that's not what that's not what it's about anymore. It's grassroots. It's 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 about the people. It's about supporting the middle class. It's about giving the middle class a voice. It's what makes the whole thing about the uh, these school boards so important and empowering. And it's why these things are going viral when people stand up and fight back against critical race theory. And wokeness and transgender bathrooms and all kinds of crazy stuff. But we got to hit the reset button. I want to play a couple of clips for you. Uh, the question that you're going to be asked and what the left is uh, doing is they're saying, well, you know, it was it was uh, Trump that wanted to pull out Trump. Trump did. Trump was wanted to do it. It's, you know, they're going to try to blame Trump. And so here is Chris Wallace basically trying to do that, blame Trump. He's trying to blame Trump, and Pompeo is basically making his argument. And I want people to hear this because I want you to know how to fight back against your liberal counterparts that are going to try to blame Trump and say, wasn't Trump's idea to pull out? Yeah, but with conditions and with guarantees and with, with a guarantee of success. But in any case, let's take a listen. I guess we should say when the Taliban takes over, what does it mean for U.S. national security? Can we, as the Biden administration promises from over the horizon, uh, deal with the terrorist threat to the U.S. homeland from inside Afghanistan? Well, Chris, this is one of the most important questions. It depends on a couple of things. The first is the context for American security policy. So think, think about what's happening today. The Taliban are aggressive and they are fearless because we have an administration that has refused to adopt a deterrence model, the one that President Trump and I had. Right? The, the, we've had Iranian rockets land in Israel. We've handed a pipeline back to the Russians. Right? We've allowed the Chinese to castigate our senior leadership in Anchorage. And now we're allowing the Taliban to run free and wild all around Afghanistan. You have, they have to understand that there's an administration with a backbone and a seriousness to execute on the things that matter and protect and defend America. 
So this gets to the larger challenge. What, what will the Taliban believe that the Americans are prepared to do if they begin to play footsie with al-Qaeda or let ISIS begin to grow in Afghanistan? If it's like the Carter administration and the Obama administration and now what appears to be the first seven months of the Biden administration, the Taliban will feel free to do this. I, I can assure you, uh, were I still the secretary of state with a commander in chief like President Trump, the Taliban would have understood that there were real costs to pay if there were plots against the United States of America from that place. Qasem Soleimani learned that lesson, and the Taliban would have learned it as well. President Biden released a statement yesterday in which, in effect, he blamed President Trump and your administration for the deal that you made with the Taliban back in 2020, uh, which resulted in a, in a promise at that time that President Trump had stayed in office to pull all troops out by this past May. I want to read you some of what President Biden said in his statement. When I became president, I faced a choice, follow through on the deal or ramp up our presence and send more American troops to fight once again in another country's civil conflict. Mr. Secretary, what do you think of President Biden's attempt here to, to blame, to pin all the blame for what's transpired in these last few weeks on the deal he says he, quote, inherited from President Trump and from you. If the risks weren't so serious, Chris, it'd be pathetic. I wouldn't have let my 10-year-old son get away from this kind of pathetic blame shifting. Uh, he should be less focused on trying to uh, blame this on someone else than to solving the problem of making sure that we protect and defend American security. Chris, it's worth noting, this did not happen on our watch. We reduced our forces significantly, and the Taliban didn't advance on capitals all across Afghanistan. So it's just a, a plain old fact that this is happening under the Biden administration's leadership now, almost a quarter of a way into his first term. This is, this is not the way leaders lead by pointing backwards. We had a bad deal we inherited. The JCPOA, we got out of it. We secured America from the risk from Iran. We inherited a horrible deal in Syria where ISIS controlled real estate the size of Great Britain. We crushed them. Every president confronts challenges. This president confronted a challenge in Afghanistan. He has utterly failed to protect the American people from this challenge. But I have to say, it isn't just President Biden who says this. When we announced that you were going to be a guest on this program, a former top military commander in Afghanistan and a current top Republican member of Congress both talked about the deal that the Trump administration and you negotiated back in 2020 with the Taliban uh, to pull out all U.S. forces. Here was President Trump when he was in office. Basically, we're policemen right now, and we're not supposed to be policemen. We've been there. We've been there for 19 years in Afghanistan. It's ridiculous. Critics say that for the U.S. to cut a deal with the Taliban without the Afghan government even in the room was hugely demoralizing and led inevitably to where we are today. Yeah, Chris, that's just simply not true. Go, go read the deal. Go read the conditions that were built into the deal. I was in the room. I was at the center of working to deliver that. The Afghans were in the room. We had the Afghans all in the room for the same time in 20 years. We had Afghan leaders, not just the corrupt leader, Ghani. I mean, think about President Ghani. He spent all of his time lobbying Washington, D.C., Republicans and military leaders, the same folks you probably just talked about. If he'd have spent that time building out friends and coalitions and working with the Taliban himself, we could have gotten to reconciliation. Instead, he 
took money for his own good, and then came to Washington to lobby for more American money, billions of dollars. He spent more time in Washington than he did talking to his own people. We negotiated a deal that formed a basis for the conditions-based withdrawal from American soldiers. I'm proud of the work that we did there. We brought a lot of young kids home. We saved a lot of American lives. We were working diligently to deliver on the president's two missions, to get our young people home, to reduce the risk to the United States from having our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines there in Afghanistan, and second, to create the conditions where we could make sure that a terror attack on the United States did not happen from there. We did it in the Philippines. We did it in Syria. We reduced terrorism risk all around the world. We would have done it in Afghanistan as well. I just want to ask you one more question about your record, though, sir. You were the first American secretary of state to ever meet with the Taliban. And you talked about how they had agreed to join us in the fight against terrorism. Here you are, sir. The gentleman I met with agreed that they would break that relationship and that they would work alongside of us to destroy, deny resources to and have Al Qaeda depart from that place. Do you regret giving the Taliban that legitimacy? Do you regret pressing the Afghan government to release 5,000 prisoners, which they did, some of whom are now back on the battlefield fighting with the Taliban? Chris, you make peace with your enemies. The statement that I made that day was absolutely true. You can ask the military leaders on the ground. We did good work to crush al-Qaeda. When we left office, there were fewer than 200 al-Qaeda left in Afghanistan. Chris, we never trusted the Taliban. You can, you can ask them yourselves. We made abundantly clear if they did not live up to that piece of paper, to the words that they had put on the ground, we weren't going to allow them to just walk away from any deal that they'd struck. We were going to go crush them. We were going to go impose real costs on them. We weren't going to let them take these provincial capitals. They, they understood that American power was going to come to their village, to their community, to the friends and family around them. And we were going to make sure that they understood America wasn't going to allow Americans to be killed from this place. We, we didn't take the word of the Taliban. We watched their actions on the ground when they did the right thing and they helped us against terror. That was all good. And when they didn't, we crushed them. Finally, and I want to, I've got about two minutes here, sir. You graduated first in your class from West Point in 1986. And All right, so we're going to, uh, you know, take over that. But uh, l listen, so, you know, the thing is, is that's going to be the next play, is they're going to blame, they're going to try to blame Trump. All I can tell you is this. The whole mission from 2000, the post 9-11, is when we decided that we were going to get rid of the Taliban and try to restore Afghanistan to a place where we were, uh, where they were not going to stage another 9-11 attack. They were not going to be a breeding ground uh, free-for-all for terrorists that hate America. And in tw for 20 years, we've had misguided policy after misguided policy, whether it's the Bush administration or the Obama regime. Uh, all of those uh, Pentagon strategies really were not smart. So when Trump basically said, we are not the world's police policemen, I agree 100%. But it's the way you exit. And this exit could not have been worse because it seems like we're reacting to a surprise uh, development. It wasn't even an attack. 
It's not like the Taliban was, was, just like I've always said, the ISIS warriors were never warriors. They were going through one uh, defenseless town after another in Syria. Why? Because the Alawite Shia named Assad uh, basically had to rule with an iron fist and had gun control rights. They basically confiscated everybody's guns. So people living in um, uh, Syria were defenseless because because he was afraid that the Sunni-dominated population was going to eventually overthrow the Assad kingdom, which is something that was acquired in the 1970s. I've always said Russia was never going to let Syria fall, despite what Lindsey Graham would ever say and Obama. It was a pointless war in Syria. And... It was a pointless effort because Russia was never going to allow Syria to fall. That was their strategic base. Well, the same is true with Afghanistan. The same is true there. And uh, Russia has an interest in Afghanistan strategically, and China does too. They saw a very tough, strong man in Donald Trump and never played their cards in Afghanistan. Trump wouldn't allow it just like Trump didn't allow them to play cards in Syria. But he wanted to get out of these places, but he wanted to get out with guarantees. Well, what has happened in the last 48 hours is the the worst-case scenario, and we were obviously unprepared because we are now destroying all all of our secrets. All of our work and tradecraft is gone. It's We've deleted it, destroyed it, and we've... We're now trying to save people's lives and getting out of there. And after uh, the airport, named the Karzai Airport, biggest corrupt leader until now, Ghani. Uh, basically, you heard he's just nothing but a money hoarder. And he took all the money and then decided zero respect for Biden. So he takes all the mo- American taxpayer dollars, then flips his nose off and basically says, I can get paid by all three parties. Not only can I collect America's money, but I could also collect Russia's money and China's money because they're the new game in town. And we'll just go ahead and um, take the money and run, which Ghani did. And Taliban is now in charge. And you better watch. Fentanyl coming from China and heroin coming from Afghanistan with the poppy seed fields are going to flood our open borders And we're going to have the worst drug crisis in America that we've ever had, too. We're out of time right now. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, We're going to cover this all week, probably. Um, But be sure to check out magapack.org, buglecall.org, and Scott Adams Show for the latest podcast. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.